Curiosity is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise caution. He's a time strand. You're fraternizing with the enemy. There's the, um, the Cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who is kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We're doing chapter 13, Mad-Eye Moody, and we have Anna back with us. Hi! Uh, This is a nice little short chapter. Um, Obviously, as the chapter title uh, suggests, Mad-Eye Moody plays a role in it. So, uh, This is also, again, looking at the illustrations do you ever picture Mad-Eye Moody, like, the illustration they give? No, he's a lot... I mean, I don't picture him, like, Brendan Gleeson as I'm reading, and I don't picture him, you know, like, Gildor Lockhart, obviously. I don't even picture him as nice looking as, like, Lupin, but I don't picture him that rough. Like, the, I mean, the illustration makes him look like a wooden carving. Yeah, I... I think I picture him more like Brendan Gleeson, who plays Moody in the, the movies. I think I picture him more like that than anything else. But obviously he's a little more rough around the edges, but... I guess I just have a very specific picture. I also don't picture his eye correctly. Like, I, I can recognize that the description in the book matches the description of the eye that Brendan Gleeson wears in mm-hmm. the movie. But when I picture his magical eye as I'm reading, it's just blue. Like, there is no white of the eye. It's oh. just like... I don't know why I read it that way as a child, but that is what has stuck in my imagination. No, I mean, when you read, like, Electric Blue Eye, I could see where you would get that from. (laughs) They have pointed you in the direction of his eye quite often through this early (laughs) intro to who he is. And I'm like, I I don't think I've ever caught that before, just how often they mention the eye rattling around. It must be very distracting. Oh, now that I can't imagine. That would be very off-putting. Anyway. Uh, So, (laughs) in this chapter, we basically bounce around uh, a couple of different classrooms. We get uh, out at the, the greenhouses with Professor Sprout. We get Hagrid. We get everybody's favorite teacher, Trelawney. Mm-hmm. And Dan's favorite teacher. And we get some uh, some Moody. So, booba tubers are gross. Is that how you even pronounce it? I don't know. It works for me. <laughs> it just made me think of, you, uh, you may not watch this. I am obsessed. I don't know if anyone else knows her, but have you ever heard of Dr. Pimple Popper? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and like her, I think there's a description as she's talking about squeezing out tuber puss that it's like disgusting, but also kind of like enthralling. Yeah. That's how I am with Dr. Pimple Popper. Like I can't stop watching her videos. That's what I mean. You're like doing it over and over again. You're yeah. like, this is so gross, Pop. <laughs> oh, this is so gross, Pop. One. Like 30 pops yeah. later. You're, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's disgusting. Just the description of them as like these slug-like plants yeah and smelling of petrol i did that was gross well they said i didn't remember that they aspect. said that the pus was particularly valuable and i'm and then i read the petrol comment i'm like is it because there's like hints of petrol in it oh no i just got or is it the just feeling the random... that it's medicinal for a lot of things like yeah 
If it's good for acne, I would imagine it's good for other skin conditions. Maybe even to the point of like burns. Maybe if it can, maybe it's one of the only things that heal dragon burns. Can you imagine something? being that wizarding celebrity that gets to do the advertisements for this? <laughs> you know, like no you got to make this try to look good. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they they do uh, they do mention it's a remedy for acne, and that Madame Pomfrey specifically is looking forward to getting this shipment of this in uh and then they throw millicent bolstrode right under the bus is it Bolstrode? no it wasn't millicent oh no 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 it's eloise uh midgen, midgen. or yeah. something yes trying to curse hers off yep they're just throwing her right under the bus <laughs> sprout wasn't very nice either what did she call her stupid girl silly girl or something silly girl yeah yeah you got it oh. well because didn't the she i got the impression she was a hufflepuff but then, uh, imagine she, like, cursed her nose off or something yep. like that? Sweet. That was Madame Pompey fixed it, though. I get you're talking about some kids here, but there's got to be better ways of doing your own home remedies. I don't know. Do what she got to do. I guess. That could not have been a pretty sight. Um, nothing about it was probably pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so we move on. We stay outdoors, uh, well, at least the Gryffindors do. Hufflepuffs go back into Transfiguration. Transfiguration. And the Gryffindors go down to Hagrid's Hut for an interesting lesson. Woof. Uh, yeah. Your long project, baby. Which, I give Hagrid a lot of credit because... It's a good lesson idea to give, like, yes. the growth of a magical creature. It, yeah, uh, it's, great. I give him a lot of credit on the effort. And the idea that he had. He's still, I think, missing the mark on the actual creature. And maybe this was uh, maybe this was him trying to course correct. Because didn't he do something like this after the hippogriff with the flower worms or whatever yes. they were? Well, I don't think he had the idea of it being like a project. I think he just was scared to do anything else. So he just kept letting them feed flower worms until they were overfed. That's correct. So what's his answer? <laughs> Deformed, shellless lobsters that are pale, slimy, with legs sticking out oddly, no heads that they could identify, <laughs> and either a sucker or a stinger. I think I would be more scared of the sucker. That just sounds awful. I'm imagining, like, a literal lamprey with just, like, a circular mouth and just teeth. Because it's I imagine used like for sucking literal, blood, right? Like, I assume so, yeah. Yeah. Nothing about this sounds pleasant. No. Which, the vast majority of the class seem to agree with that general, oh, yeah. I that general opinion. Everybody. Even even the three after the class were just like, this, oh, yeah. this isn't, this isn't not great. not a good idea. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, and then, well, then, on top of it, Hagrid, if you're going to do something like this, at least have a firm foundation of what this thing is and how this will all work. As a student, it's super off-putting if the teacher teaching me about this thing goes, I don't really know what they eat. What they eat is an important detail in pretty much any creature. So he has like this, he has barrels or tubs or whatever of different types of things that they may or may not have an interest in. And you literally have kids reaching into like frog livers 
And then I think it's Lavender Brown who discovers the stinger thing. Uh, like, she... what's the pointy thing on no, this? I think that was Dean Thomas. Because uh, he almost got stuck. She, I thought, found the sucker. Oh, maybe that was it. Whatever it was. Yeah. One or the other. Yeah. And I just feel, and I think Ron notes that, like, there's no head to even try to feed yep. this thing. That's a very Ron thing to notice. Also an important thing to notice. Like, where am I even giving this thing food? I'm, un like, I don't know. And the fact that my teacher can't really tell me in one way or the other is unfortunate. I think if I were a student, I wouldn't actually love Hagrid, but... I I feel like I would be either Neville or Hermione in this. Like, I would want to know everything. Like, this class wouldn't interest me. Like, the class would. But if I'm that interested in it, and I have questions, and then I'm not getting the answer that I want, I would be super. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, that is Super why I would be... This isn't even a subject that really would particularly interest me. But if I'm taking a class, I'm going to put my all into it. So please teach me. And if you can't teach me, I'm not... I'm going to be very frustrated with you. But yeah, this... Love you, Hagrid. <laughs> this seems uh, doomed from the get-go. Anyway, moving from one of your favorite teachers to another one of your favorite teachers... Oh. We move into uh, double divination. Oh, talk about torture. Yeah. Would you rather have double divination with Trelawney or double potions with Snape? You're going to get both, I assume, but... I What think... would you look forward to the most? I think I would prefer to have double... Well... Yeah. All right. Tougher the question than you thought I it was going to be. Yes, I would actually choose double divination because Snape's class, it would probably irritate me less because at least I have a intelligent professor who knows what he's talking about. Sure. But he would scare me. And also, I hate all things science. And math and uh, like it's a very precise. Uh, yeah, like that class would just stress me out. Sorry. I would I would need um, for those of you who have forgotten Dan and I went to high school together, and one of our teachers was named Richard Gay. He was my chemistry teacher. <laughs> he was great. He was the kindest man of all time. He's the only yeah. reason I passed that class. That is who I would need to be my potions teacher. <laughs> I would love if Mr. Gay was our potions teacher. Uh, unfortunately, we're stuck with Severus Snape. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting question because you get the anxiety-ridden preciseness right. of potions. Whereas in divination, you can just sit there with Ron while he makes jokes like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, what time do Neptune's appear? It's a sure sign of vision. Glasses is being born." <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> it's a certain type of vibe in that classroom. Uh, I like how Harry just kind of like zones out completely. Yes, that would be me. Um, which the whole vibe of her room makes you zone out totally. in that. Yeah. So speaking of Ron jokes, he also makes a rude planetary <laughs> joke, uh, about lavender, which, which is perfect. Yeah. Which is perfect in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, because Ron makes some of these comments, uh, they had skated through the day relatively pain-free, no nice. homework. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trelawney turns into McGonagall <laughs> yes, I love suddenly, that comparison. and gives them so much homework for the weekend. 
Um, although it, it didn't, uh, the irony was not lost on me that uh, she got a specific McGonagall comparison. Uh, the airy, the light airiness completely left her voice, and she I left with a shrewd. Called it airy fairy. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. Oh, good stuff. But yeah, so we get through all of the classes, and then the real action of this chapter mm-hmm. takes place. So we get Draco, uh, who seems to be reading an article and decides it's the best. To read this out loud oh, to as many people as could possibly hear it. It's pure Draco. And it's Rita Skeeter writing about Arnold Weasley, who's Arnold Weasley? Doesn't exist. Arthur Weasley is the one who's the, the topic of conversation, but Rita doesn't seem to think it important to get the name right. Here's the thing. I know Draco is reading this article to make fun of Ron. I understand that. But you get the whole article, because he reads it out loud to you, so you get the whole article... And if you're reading the article, I don't understand the purpose of the article because it's read and written in a way that's like, ho ho, Arnold Weasley, this bumbling idiot. It's essentially detailing Arthur going to Moody's and fixing the dustbin issue, which is his job as a misuse of muggle artifacts. Well, and that's why I don't think it was so much a dig at Arthur. Like, yes, get his name wrong as a potential dig. Yeah. I'm sure she did that on purpose. But I think mostly it was an attempt to get a dig in at the ministry. Because she also used it as a way to bring up their mishaps at the Quidditch World Cup. So I think she the whole purpose of the article is literally just to make the ministry look like idiots. But this and is... Arthur is just happens to be the ministry official who dealt with this particular situation but if anything this is the ministry doing the job correctly because there's a misuse of muggle artifacts Mm -hmm. in question so they send the appropriate official to deal with it yes who then deals with it i'm like i'm I'm not understanding what the (laughs) what the point of this is yeah no i don't know i don't know i get the whole thing is to just make fun of ron and make fun of arthur and i get it but it's like this is what I think it was literally just a plot device. I must be, but yeah. I'm like reading the article. I'm like, I know this is supposed to make fun of him, but it's just detailing his job, <laughs> like when he did his job. But I don't know. I I guess whatever. Anyway, Draco does actually have a real shot that he throws. Oh, Harry gets a good one back, Paul. He does get a good one back. <laughs> so uh, Draco comes at Ron with a real low blow about uh, Molly, his mm-hmm. mom's uh, weight and needing to lose weight, which, not cool. Just not cool. No. Not cool. Under any circumstances, not cool. And uh, and then Harry comes back with, uh, well, why does your mom look like she's... Does she always sp- look like that? Yeah, smelling something foul or something yeah. like that. Is it because you're always with her or something like that? A couple of your mom jokes... Followed by uh, the appropriate, uh, let's throw blows. <laughs> let's let's do this thing. And Draco gets the first shot in, although he misses, barely. Pulls a wand, uh, tries to Harry's curse Harry. back is turned. Coward. Yep. And one Mad-Eye Moody sees this, does not like it when someone tries to curse someone with their back turned. It's a cowardly move. Laddie. <laughs> <laughs> And what does uh, what does Moody do about it? 
turns him into Draco Malfoy, the amazing bouncing ferret. The amazing bouncing ferret. So Harry turns around and it's like, Draco's gone. Yes. He has no idea where Draco is and he just sees this ferret between Crab and Goyle. And they try to go and then he just, Moody just starts like literally raising him up and letting him fall way back down and smack on a hard stone floor. And higher. I don't even get the impression that he's letting him just fall. I get the impression he's, he's literally, like, literally just like, snapping him yeah. back down. Yeah. Okay. So. Which I have some thoughts about that are much different than the, you know, like 11 year old Anna thoughts that were had the first time. What I were the 11 year old thoughts? Oh, it was hilarious. Come <laughs> on. Like I was the same as Ron. I wanted to imagine it in my mind forever. Like, yep. What kid doesn't want their arch nemesis to turn into a ferret and be bounced around by a teacher? Get just completely humiliated in front of, yeah. like, the entire school? Yeah. Um, I do like McGonagall's reaction to all of this. McGonagall comes around a corner, sees a ferret getting bounced up and down repeatedly, and with an air of complete confusion, she's like, Is it? Is that a student? <laughs> and Moody just has the most nonchalant responses to this. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, did, no. did Dumbledore tell you that we're not supposed to use transfiguration as a punishment? Maybe. <laughs> I would say Might have mentioned it. So these are my issues now. <clears throat> like, one, adult Anna is just like, you know, can we not see how damaging this could be to a 14-year-old child? But even more than that, Literally, that's the only, the closest he comes to a reprimand is McGonagall saying, did Dumbledore not tell you we never use transfigure? Like, I, I, do Hogwarts professors ever get in trouble for their treatment of students? I My assumption would be absolutely not. Really? <laughs> like, literally Between none. Between him and Snape, like, Lord. Which, I don't know what that says about Dumbledore. Yeah. I also don't know what it says about parents either, because you know... <laughs> Well, I, well, you definitely know Draco's writing home about this, oh, but nice. which we'll get to in a second. But um, I don't know how much Lucius would do about it, just because it's moody. But okay, let's let's take uh, uh, sure. Uh, again, we can get into that. That's a whole other side conversation. Yeah. But let's take Neville mm-hmm. and his abuse by Snape. Does he write home to his grandmother? What was his grandmother even say about the whole thing? Well, okay, let's go there. Let's remember Snape. Is his biggest fear when he goes up against the Bogart. Yep. But he also didn't want the Bogart to turn into his grandmother, implying that he's terrified of his grandmother almost as bad as he's terrified of Snape. So maybe it's just wizarding adults in general are, you know, not the... I guess maybe they just believe in the tough Tough love? Of, like, yeah, little out-of-date uh, I, I imagine it's one of those... Version. I'm going to put it under the, the umbrella of... This is probably how Hogwarts has always been. Right. So if they kind of went through it and they experienced it. Which is very British, I think. Their yeah. their whole school system is kind of like that, I think. So it's just a hey, earn your stripes kind of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, that's that's Hogwarts for you. Yeah, like, it's traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> Across the board, it's traumatizing. Are you at all thinking? Now, I get Moody is a very accomplished wizard and he was... You know, but I think Bill said that in his day, he was, like, peak. Yeah. Like, he was top of the line. Great. And obviously, he's an ex-or, so mm-hmm. to be an or, you need 
really top marks yes. in education and skill and all that kind of stuff. But did you ever think like McGonagall comes around the corner and is just like, well, that transfiguration is pretty good. <laughs> like, like, no, pretty solid. I think that <laughs> happens later <laughs> when she's like over the horror of the fact that one of her students has been maybe not her favorite student, but one of her students <clears> has been <throat> turned into a ferret against his will and bounced around in front of his cohorts. Like do you later have... when she's laying in bed is when she thinks that was an impressive bit of magic though. Like, I mean, she spends all day with students struggling to turn a toucan into a teacup. Mm-hmm. And then she sees, like, a student, a 14-year-old student, turned perfectly into a ferret, getting bounced up and down. Yeah. Maybe she just goes, wow, that was, that was smart. That was good, good stuff. I think that's more a Dumbledore thought than a mini thought. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> Except Dumbledore would probably acknowledge it in the moment. Be yes. like, you gotta stop. That's good awesome. Job. But oh, you gotta yeah. stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, any more thoughts on the Draco being a ferret? Mm-hmm. No, I have one more question about it, but it's a spoiler question, so I can I do have some you. spoiler thoughts. I do like your comment about, like, well, would Lucius do anything about it because he knows it's Moody, specifically? Mm-hmm. And then uh, McGonagall tells Moody, it's like, no, you go to, you, like, the student's head of house to deal with these issues. And he's like, you know what? I will go to Snape. Like, no compunction whatsoever about, like, oh, I don't know about that Severus Snape. Oh, no. Like, Moody's like, Bring it yeah. on. We're doing a conversation. <laughs> like, Moody does not care one bit about any of it. Um, which, to some of the students, you know, you might... They'll pick up on the little things. Oh, yeah. They picked up on Lupin, not being afraid to talk to Snape mm-hmm. or whoever. Thieves. Right. So they'll pick up on those little things, and they're like, Moody just doesn't care at all. Yeah. Great. <laughs> you know, like, we like him. Yeah. Uh, little moments of endearment, I guess. But anyway, um, there's a lot to talk about in the spoiler section uh, involving uh, Moody here and uh, Draco and ferrets and all sorts of things. So we'll be right back uh, with the spoiler section. Kill the all right, so we're back with the spoiler section, and I think we have a, a lot of really interesting conversation that we can go into with this whole. <laughs> Moody Draco moment at the end of the chapter. And once again, spoiler section, obviously Moody is not Moody. It's Barty Crouch Jr. Indeed. So I think that's where a lot of our thoughts went with this. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned that Lucius might have an issue speaking with Moody about treatment of his son. That's complicated. Mm -hmm. Here's a question for you. Do you think he'd have a bigger issue talking to Moody or a bigger issue talking to Barty Crouch Jr.? I feel like Lucius would think Moody would be the bigger threat. I feel like Barty Crouch Jr. would be a person that was underestimated by Lucius Malfoy to his demise. Like, Lucius shouldn't underestimate Crouch Jr., but he probably did. Agreed. Uh, So, obviously, Barty Crouch Jr. has some connections to Lucius Mm. and he also has connections with Snape which might uh indicate his eagerness to have a conversation with Severus like I wish you could just be in his mind throughout the year obviously having read it knowing what we know like how much is him being moody because he does a very good job of being Alistair Moody and how much is just him getting his you know you as a listener are probably going to get very tired of us 
harping on how great Barty Crouch Jr. Probably. is. It's just mind-boggling. But it's in those... I have those... more thoughts about it for the next chapter, too. Same. So <laughs> it's those details, though, where he clearly wants to talk to Snape mm-hmm. for reasons that have nothing to do with Mad-Eye Moody. Yes. And, but he plays it so, so well. well that he doesn't tip his hand one way right. or the other. It's those moments where he can easily get carried away like in his own head and like s- slip out for a second, and he just doesn't. Right. It's brilliant. I mean, like, he's so brilliant. I loved Mad-Eye Moody, man. I mean, I still love the real Mad-Eye Moody, but this teacher Mad-Eye Moody loved him. Totally did not see it coming. Yeah. No, I... You get this boldness that uh, we talked about in the non-spoilers where he just doesn't care he'll like whatever bring on your father draco i could care less bring on snape i could care less like let's have a let's have a group conversation with the three of us you know it'd be great like he just does not care so yeah it presents that image but now when you know it's crouch and you know he's obviously very very loyal to the dark lord and his opinion is like, if we go into Barty Crouch Jr.'s mind, I went to prison. I've been in prison for my loyalty to that to that man. These two, Lucius and Snape, got off easy. Oh, yeah. And... They did. They got, they got off extremely easy, and I think... Who do you think he hates more? Do you think he hates Snape more or Lucius? I think he'd hate Lucius more. I think he'd hate Lucius more, because Lucius is rich, living the life. Uh-huh. I agree. His son is chatting around Hogwarts, which maybe that's even part of the reason Draco got turned into a ferret. I think it's a big reason why. (laughs) I I think Marty Crouch Jr. has a couple of issues with the Malfoy family. I think you had a question for me about him getting turned into a ferret. Yeah, so I just said, like, is that part of the reason Draco gets turned into a ferret? Do you think the real (laughs) Mad-Eye Moody would have turned a student into a ferret? Um, so, like, yeah. I'm, I'm with him all the way up until, like, oh, no, you don't, laddie. <laughs> and, like, he wouldn't like the spell in the back. Yep. But. Here's my answer is yes and no. I think Moody in his prime, hard no. I, I think he would know where the boundaries are. But the way Moody has set himself up later in his years to be a little kooky and, <laughs> and a little bit out there. Maybe. <laughs> like, this. Like, this guy set up dustbins to attack people. Like, maybe. Maybe he would. Like, Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I don't think Moody, like, at his prime, like, sharpness, when his mind is, like, dialed in, Mm -hmm. no, he'd probably find other ways to do it. Or he, and I think this is part of the way uh, Barty Crouch plays this, is he would have no problems going up to Snape and being like, your stupid kid did this. Oh yeah, that's moody to a He's tea, he's spending sure. some detention hours with me. Get over it and like move on. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the turning into the ferret, uh, maybe in his more, I don't want to call it senile years, but in his more like, I don't well, like, give as many. Know the like, real like, dude, I never get the impression that he's senile. Gruff, yes. Not caring no. a great deal? Yes. But, like, senile and kooky. I never get that impression you, from him. I, I guess I'm using those in terms of he just doesn't give as many cares. Yes. And 
it's whatever. Like, less of a filter, maybe. And maybe that's on his magic, too, of just like, I don't like that. And you're fair. <laughs> no, you're like, fair. You, like, you know what I mean? He doesn't care. Uh, uh, I wish life actually allowed you to just turn the people who annoyed you into ferrets. And apparently give you no consequences like Moody has. Exactly. Zero. Except for a slap on the wrist by wow. McGonagall. It's not even a slap on the wrist. It's not. It's like a breath that's like, um, Dumbledore told you this, right? It's a mild talking to. It's like, whatever. Uh, and maybe you're the decorated Mad-Eye Moody and you get away with a little bit more because, mm, like, what have you done to correct any, like anything I do? Yeah. That kind of thing. And you just get, like, a shield put on you for that. And maybe mm. that's part of why Barty Crouch loves this job so much. Because he right. could do some crazy things and never get questioned for it, which is sure. great. Um, which we're going to be talking about in the next couple of chapters. So, um... But yeah, uh, what do you think his conversation with Snape, like, what do you think he's trying to, do you think he's trying to get information from Snape one way or the other? Oh, I definitely think throughout the year he's trying to figure out from Snape how exactly he got the cushy job at Hogwarts, how he avoided even being brought to trial for being a Death Eater. You gotta play that real smooth, though. Mm -hmm. Well, but... Okay, we're in the spoiler stack. In the next chapter, like, Harry makes a point of, like, feeling like Snape is trying to avoid Moody. And Harry even reckons that Snape is scared of Moody. Is Snape scared that Mad-Eye Moody will reveal to the school that he was a Death Eater? Kind of like karma coming back to get him for revealing that Lupin's a werewolf. Oh, suddenly my students are going to find out I was a Death Eater. Because I don't think most people know that he was. Okay, let me ask you this question then, but in a different context. I ask you, Lucius, what about Severus? Is he more afraid of Moody? Or is he more afraid of... I think he'd be more scared of Moody, for sure. Or Barty Crouch. Oh, Barty Crouch? Oh, he'd be more scared of Moody. I don't know. Barty Crouch is more... Because I think Snape could actually handle Barty Crouch. Lucius couldn't handle Barty Crouch. Snape wouldn't underestimate Barty Crouch the way right. Lucius would. But Barty Crouch would thinks... have some dirt on him, right? Barty yeah. Crouch would have some stories to tell about Snape. He would. But I don't think... I think Snape would see that Barty Crouch isn't as well respected as... Like, I think... The world in general underestimated Barty Crouch Jr. His own father did. So I don't think the wizarding world would respect the stories he would tell about Snape. They would like be like, oh, like what's this like guy talking about? Whereas if Moody came out with his stories about Snape, the wizarding world would be like, whoa, this is obviously, there would be zero doubt. Here's another question for you. With Snape being as talented at Legilimens and Aquamancy mm. as he is. Do you think he has any idea that Moody's not Moody right now? Much as I dislike Snivellus, I he must not have any idea. Because I do think he would tell Dumbledore. Well, the, And if Dumbledore, I think Dumbledore is more skilled than Snape. And I agree. if Dumbledore has zero clue, I agree. then Snape doesn't. Yeah. Bar- Crouch must be an accomplished Aquamans. He must be phenomenal. Yeah. What we're saying is there's a lot of layers (laughs) to this. 
And Barty Crouch Jr. himself has a lot of fine lines to walk mm. when you have two very skilled wizards in the house that could find you out at any given time and Snape and Dumbledore. Other accomplished wizards I was just, and witches throughout the school, yeah. Right, just you have to stay on your game because Flitwick isn't an idiot. McGonagall's not an idiot. So you have those two. Even Hagrid knows Moody. Mm-hmm. So if you even if you slip up, Hagrid would be able to figure out, like, that was a weird thing for Moody to do or say or whatever. Or if there's some encounter that one of those people who does know Moody tries to bring up and he doesn't know about it, he has to find a smooth way to try and play that off. Or even letting, like, your dislike of Lucius Malfoy mm. <laughs> slip, and now you turn his kid into a ferret. It's like, you gotta figure out a way to, like, reel that in. Maybe you're playing Moody's dustbin thing, right. like, oh, he's this, you know, past his prime or and you play it off that way, when instead you're just trying to get one over on Lucius Malfoy's son. It's like, it's it's like a weird... Him and, like, Party Crouch Jr. and Snape are literally taking, like, shots at their, quote-unquote, rivals or enemies' sons. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, like, a weird... But they're You're already... saying it's a bunch of boys who haven't grown up? A little bit. I-, I will give you Barty Crouch is a little bit more advanced because he's got a grudge. Like, he's got an adult grudge. True. Not just, probably, I'm... He's dealing with it in less of an adult... Like, the same less not adult manner that Snape is, though, that he's taking it out Correct. of just the sun. That's the only avenue he's got at the moment. <laughs> I'm sure if he had the opportunity, take he would take the opportunity. Himself, yeah. uh, I don't think he has any qualms about going after either Snape no, or no, Lucius no. at this point. But uh, he, he feels that he is as accomplished as any of them, as talented or as skilled. And he also feels, I'm assuming, that he's in the right, and he's given the green light, per se. Ooh, that's the green light, per se. (laughs) (laughs) To to go after either of them uh, from the guy he's working for. Like, I... Crouch I think he might be wrong. He definitely feels that way. I think he'd be wrong in that assumption, though. Yeah, probably. But But I I think he probably feels like... Oh, yeah. I'm working for the guy himself. Like, I'm under his... I'm the only loyal one. Right. In his purview, he's the man, I guess. But uh, Anyway, anything else on any of those conversations? I don't think so. Uh, Did we have any other points? I, I don't know. I just love the moody crouch of it all. And it's almost like the uh, Tom Riddle chapter in Chamber of Secrets where you just get this Tom Riddle monologue mm. and you just get sucked in by it <laughs> i feel myself more and more sucked in by this moody crouch character oh, definitely and i'm like i kind of want more like, of this every interaction that moody has like dialogue that he has anything that he does i find myself analyzing it on this read of like is this him trying to be moody is this him like what's he thinking in this moment as barty crouch jr and the fun bit is, this is like the second time we're really seeing him. So it's like, we have a full, and oh, yeah. believe me, we so have a full book so much more, yeah. of deep analyzing Mad-Eye Moody slash Barty Crouch Jr. And it's going to be great. Uh, so stick with us for all of that. Let us know what you think of the Barty Crouch Jr. Uh, Moody um, kind of play and, and what all is going on there. Let us know what you think. Theories. 
How would Barty Crouch interact with Lucius Malfoy? Let us know. How would he interact with Snape? Let us know, because it'd be fascinating reads. It'd be fun for just a um, fan fiction of just, like, a Barty Crouch Jr. point of view Ooh, I'm sure <laughs> through Goblet of Fire. Somewhere. I'm sure it's got to be, but it would and be a fascinating read. you know what I'm also read. sure of? It doesn't have the weird little tongue tick thing that David Tennant did in the movies. Yeah. I love David Tennant with my whole being, and it's just weird. It's an odd choice. Is it the Slytherin thing? Like, the snake thing? But he's not even Slytherin. No, he's not. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what that could be. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, let's just end You're it on a knock at the movies. Yep. It's, it's all right. Let us know what you guys think, and we'll be back for a very interesting chapter, chapter 14, The Unforgivable Curses. So be back with us for that one, and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.